0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Quick warning at the top. There is a little bit of explicit language in this episode. Cindy Chang covers crime in the LAPD, the Los Angeles Times. She says if you drive the Harbor Freeway from North L.A. to South, you'll pass Watts to the east, Inglewood to the west, and every few blocks you'll cross these invisible lines. Lines that separate rival gangs.
1: Once you get to know people in this culture, you start to, when you're driving through, go, oh, you know, I'm driving through the rolling 40s territory. The rolling 40s are a local affiliate of the Crips. And it's not like... Everyone who's a blood wears red all the time and everyone who's a crib wears blue all the time. Gangs often adopt sports teams as their symbols. So you'll spot somebody who has a certain hat on be like, hmm, I wonder, are you a member of such-and-such? Such? The loyalties might switch every few blocks, but those
0: loyalties also last.
1: Something people don't realize about gangs is we tend to think that when somebody is not involved in criminal activity that they've left the gang, but often that's not the case. So they feel this real strong allegiance to their neighborhood and might still consider themselves a member of that gang even though they might have a regular job um, or be a famous rapper.
0: Nipsey Hussle was one of those famous rappers, an L.A. icon. The music world is mourning Grammy-nominated rapper Nipsey Hussle, who was killed in a shooting in
1: Los Angeles. He was gunned down earlier this spring. When Nipsey Hussle was killed, did you cover it? I was one of many people who covered it. He was from the rolling 60s Crips, um, and he was always very open about his membership. Nipsey was killed while he was standing in front of the clothing store he owned, at the corner
0: of Slauson and Crenshaw, right in rolling 60s territory.
1: And this uh, spontaneous memorial sprung up that drew hundreds of people. I mean, that intersection was just swamped. The parking lot filled up with
0: flowers, balloons, poster board. And of course, Nipsey's music was playing full blast.
2: Yeah, just chilling. I'm just. I can't believe that this happened. Like,
0: I was here. People started broadcasting live from the store on their cell phones, posing with Nipsey's car, which was still parked out front.
2: This jag right here, I guess, it was um, Nipsey's car that he drove up here.
1: And very quickly after that, or during that, there were people from all different gangs, some of which were rivals. There were Crips and Bloods, and they all came together.
2: All the gangs, but well, most of the gangs from L.A. Walking over the NIPS spot right now.
0: And Cindy says what started with this march three months ago has continued. In church basements, and public parks, peace negotiations... Just as delicate as any diplomatic mission. Negotiations that some gang leaders hope can stop all the killing. Cindy was there as these talks happened. And the question now is will they work? I'm Mary Harris. You are listening to What Next. Stick with us. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When he was alive, Nipsey Hussle repped L.A. hard. He had this love for his hometown and his crew. You could just hear it. In the video for one of his most popular songs, Last Time That I Checked, he rides around L.A. in a white Lamborghini, wind in his hair. He is in full Crips blue. And he's alongside another rapper, YG, who's in his deep bloods red, down to his patent leather shoes. The message seems to be, we can perform together. We don't have to fight. Something that stood out to me about Nipsey Hussle was watching him give interviews where he put gang life in this really thoughtful context.
2: Anybody, y'all heard of uh, a this dude named maslow
0: like he, he's a, he's a, he made, uh, put a, gang a, culture a, into right. the framework so, of maslow's that, so hierarchy of that, needs
2: okay so at the base of human needs is our our physiological needs food clothing shelter and there's uh, other needs that come above that but if you can't address these all that other shit don't count I and mean, it's come to reason some
1: of these guys that i talked to for this story i mean you know they've reflected a lot on on their lives, um, because when you've dealt with violence and death and prison at a young age, I think it causes some people to do that. So, can you just sum up really
0: quickly, you know, kind of what made Nipsey Hussle so important to the LA community?
1: I think it was that he wasn't just a rapper; he, you know, had this clothing store in the heart of his community. He hadn't left his community. And he was trying to bring money into the community um, and to really not just talk about helping the youth, but to really um, create these avenues where they could become entrepreneurs and be successful so they wouldn't have to fall back on gang life. Details about what happened to Nipsey are just being
0: released. The man accused of shooting him was reportedly angry that Nipsey had called him a snitch. But the two men were actually affiliated with the same gang, which shows just how hard it is to stop gang violence in L.A. The disputes are complicated, personal. But after Nipsey's death, a group of older gang members decided
1: they had to try. So there have been these almost sort of like um, summits where uh, leaders from all different gangs get together. And, you know, a lot of them talked about we can't just keep on having meetings. We've got to... You know, this is an emergency. This is a crisis. Um, we've got to take action now. What is our action going to be? When you walk into one of these meetings, what's it like? In some ways, it just looked like a church breakfast. I mean, they were eating scrambled eggs and grits and talking to each other. But the one that I attended, the one in Compton, it was at a church. The pastor is actually a sheriff's deputy who is very much supporting them and said, you can use this space whenever you like. I'll feed you. But he stepped out of the room for the actual meeting because, you know, they they would be more comfortable without law enforcement there. Can
0: can you articulate? I mean, violence has been going down around the country, but does it feel like that in these neighborhoods where Nipsey Hussle grew up, where any of these gangs operate?
1: Yes and no. I mean, if you compare um, in 1992 um, in the city of LA, there were more than a thousand homicides. Last year, it was less than 300. So that's a lot fewer people dying. But in these parts of the city, um, particularly among people who are involved in gangs, the toll is still very, very high. I mean, these A lot of these people that I've talked to, they've been shot multiple times. They've lost dozens of friends.
0: You mentioned how the gang leaders get together. They talk about shared goals. What do we misunderstand about what the goals of these groups are?
1: So one thing which uh, the gang members quickly corrected me on, um, I used the word truce. And they said, what we're doing here is not a truce. It's a ceasefire. So in their terminology, um, a truce means that you're actually friends. Whereas a ceasefire just means don't go into their neighborhood and shoot people. And when you've had a war with another neighborhood where people's lives have been lost, a lot of people aren't ready to be friends. I think that's really the main goal that they have is to stop the killing. But to actually do that, I mean, it's a very complicated diplomatic landscape that in a lot of ways is analogous to um, to world diplomacy. You know, you've got to strike an agreement with the other side. But before you can even do that, you have to gain at least a critical mass of support on your own side. Otherwise, you you can't even come to the table. And you've got to have that project, that credibility that you have control of your own side.
0: Yeah, that's it's just it's intense. It's like, how do you fix this issue and how do you sort of control your people and and hopefully calm down the other side? It just sounds I mean, as you said, it sounds delicate.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's hard work. But Now some of these um, gangs that were very recently considered themselves enemies, the leaders who were trying to create the peace will say, oh, now we talk every day. It wasn't like all of a sudden this came out of nowhere. I mean, there were already people who wanted peace, um, but... They needed a catalyst.
0: Gang wars in Los Angeles claim hundreds of lives every year. Many of the victims are innocent bystanders. But as Ron Allen reports, the Rodney King verdict may change things. In 1992, in the wake of the Rodney King verdict, rival gangs in the Watts neighborhood came together to talk peace. There's talk of a truce in a war some thought might never end. LA's warring gangs. Bloods and Crips some 100,000 strong may turn their anger about the Rodney King verdict into peace.
1: There were a lot of long lasting um, things that came out of that. For example, um, this committee called the Watts Gang Task Force, and they meet almost every Monday. You know, they have police officers there who give updates on crime in the past week. Um, And so they have this now official place to hash things out.
0: So you're describing how these talks in 1992 kind of built this structure that the gangs could work inside of and could sort of move things forward. I know that they don't want to call this a truce, but the gangs that are negotiating now, do you see them building something similar?
1: I do. I don't know how um, official it will get, but... You know, even if, say, you know, the rolling 40s and the rolling 60s who have a tentative ceasefire, if they stop shooting at each other for a year, two years, five years, I mean, that's something. Yeah, lives are going to be saved. Um, and I think that the relationships that are being built are going to last
0: I was struck by something Nipsey Hussle said about gang culture and how it provides something essential to young men, which is acceptance.
2: The world said we was wrong, but the set embraced you for who you was. You know what I mean? And that's the that's the allure of gangbanging. in the gang is that you might have been broke, your mama might have been on drugs, you 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 might have not had, you know, the material success. But the gang don't judge you on that. The gang judge you on your heart. You know what I'm saying? If you
0: if, And it's tricky to think about how you beat that if you're trying to stop gang violence. And I wonder if any of the conversations you're overhearing now are talking a little bit about that. Like back in Watts, they talked about you know, entrepreneurship and how that was important. Of course, Nipsey Hussle himself was a big booster of, you know, black business owners and making sure that money was coming into the community.
1: Yeah, I think you're right that in 92, um, jobs were very much part of the conversation because what is the alternative? You can't tell people to just stop leading this lifestyle or making money this way if there is no alternative So, I mean, I think right now the real priority is just let's stop killing.
0: You know, there's something else that Nipsey Hussle said that stood out to me. He was talking about truces and what happens when gangs try to stop the violence. And he said the truces don't last long. I I wonder if you think this negotiation is different
1: or not. I would say it is a large scale movement, but that the actual peace is going to happen with these individual agreements between individual gangs. So whether those last long is hard to say. This movement is not a city-wide peace movement. It's not like everyone's going to sign a document and there's going to be no more shootings, right? But are some of these um, ceasefire agreements going to last on an individual level? Um, They very well may.
2: Nah, you know what this is? Let me tell you a thing about gangbanging. Gangbanging is like a volcano. Don't ever get comfortable in a volcano, you know what I'm saying? It, gets, it, might, it could go, it could blow. So it could be, it's never like it calmed down, and it's just, it's, it's, it's placid, it's chill right now. It's gonna go up again though, you know what I'm saying? So it, it can seem like it calmed down, and it'll be a sick ass summer like this summer. The deadly summer in LA.
0: Cindy Chang, thank you so much for telling me more about your reporting. Thank you. Cindy Chang is a reporter at the LA Times. And that's the show. The episode is produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Ethan Brooks. If you're a new listener and you like today's show, go ahead and mash that subscribe button. You can do it right now. I'll wait. And if you've been listening for a while... Do us a favor, leave us a review. It helps us grow. It helps us hear what you're liking, what you're maybe not liking so much. Here's another hot tip. There is another Slate show you can listen to each and every weekday. It's called The Gist. It's hosted by Mike Pesca. So if you're sitting there right now thinking, what do I listen to? Go on over to his feed. Check out the interview he did with Anna Fifield of The Washington Post. She's got a new book coming out about Kim Jong-un. All right, talk to you tomorrow.